0: Welcome into episode 77 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, um, and uh, Landon Beeman filling in for Jeremy Law tonight. J Law is taking a, a week long vacation at the beach, much needed, much deserved. It's a hardworking guy, covers three sports for the, for the, well, not three sports, covers like five or six sports for the Silicaga Aggies up there. And, um, you know, probably a good week to get away. You get on the beach, you don't have cell service, you can't look at Twitter, you can't look at Instagram, TikTok. You can uh you're you're not around the TV where you gotta see, you know, the dynasty's over, a fine bomb just cracking on saving every chance he gets nowadays, it seems like. Uh Alabama Falls 32-31 in overtime on the road at LSU, night game death valley. We told you it wasn't gonna be easy, but none of us expected to lose this game. Um, you know, and Bama fans are down in the dumps and teams. Teams from other – I'm going to go ahead and get this off my chest immediately um, because teams – or fans from other teams and other fan bases, they think the Bama fans are, are stupid for for losing two games and calling it a busted season or whatever. But in reality, that's the Alabama standard. That's what happens when you're Alabama. You know, that's, that's why a program like Auburn and Alabama are not even close to the same level. Alabama fans, you know, make fun of Auburn fans when they try to put their programs on the same pedestal because of that reason. I mean, Auburn's sitting here, what, three and six now, I guess? And they have a comeback against Mississippi State, who's a middle-of-the-road SEC team this year. And they're acting like they just won the national championship because they have a true Auburn man leading them. I don't I don't know. I mean, you, you still lost. So, but when you're going through a dynasty like Alabama has or is, yes, the expectation annually is a national championship. And whether you like it or not, anything else is a failure. This is what Nick Saban told you day one, his opening press conference. You want to be a champion in everything you do. Um, That doesn't mean you can't be proud of the team for doing so, you know, last year. You lose from the national championship game. I was super proud of that team. It was a big accomplishment. You lose everything that you had in 2020, like six first-round draft picks, and you're still able to get back, win an SEC championship, and get to the natty. That was great. But with this roster coming in this year, this was supposed to be a 2020-type season where you've got a lot of seasoned veterans, especially in the back end of your secondary, guys that have played a lot of college football snaps, for the University of Alabama, um, and the biggest thing, me and Landon were just talking about it before the uh, before we started recording here. The biggest disappointment I have is the fact that usually when Alabama loses a couple of games, twenty ten they were banged up. Um, Courtney Upshaw was hurt. Mark Ingram wasn't fully healthy that year. There was some more. Uh, twenty nineteen, you, you lose Tua for for the Auburn game. And uh, he was actually hurt before the LSU game, too. It was, it was tremendous what he was able to do um, two weeks after the tightrope surgery against LSU. Um, but this year, no injuries. I mean, you've had some some bumps and bruises along the way, but nothing that's kept guys out of games other than Bryce Young missing the Texas A&M game, which you didn't lose. So Bryce Young was healthy enough to to play and perform well. In the two games that Alabama lost, so you haven't had any injuries off of a stacked roster. They are talking about this being one of the best defenses ever, especially or at least since 2016, and it it's been one of the worst coaching jobs as a as a combined staff that I've seen under Nick Saban. It, it's been it's been brutal. Um, Landon just initial thoughts on the season as a whole, since, you know, this is your first time being on with us since the start of the season. Um, and then we'll get into the LSU game after that.
1: Well, initial thoughts, just the season as a whole, you know, going into the season, I was really confident in Alabama uh, this year. I, uh, I even said after, you know, even when we played Utah state, and I know people are like, Oh, Utah state, you know, I, I even – I watched our defense and I watched how everybody seemed to play fast and there was no confusion and anything like that. And everything went well. I was kind of like, wow. I was like, I've never even seen this from Alabama even against bad opponents. I mean, I watched this last year when we played Mercer even look lost against bad teams. So, so, even just game one picking up, we played a bad football team. I was kind of like, wow, we kind of got something going here. You know, like there's something I, I haven't even seen. And then we roll into Texas and, you know, and here – and I guess this has been my biggest problem with Alabama since kind of the Bill O'Brien, Pete Golding, like, combination, is it's the damn excuses. I am so sick of hearing about how, you know, oh, well, we struggled against Texas because it was 116 degrees outside oh, we struggled against Florida last year because the swamp was loud. No shit the swamp is loud. It was loud when we beat their ass in 2011. It's, it's going to be loud this Saturday when they play whoever. I mean, it's, you know, last year when we played LSU, oh, it's just Alabama-LSU. It's just a rivalry game. Let's just not mention LSU had half a football team last year. Oh, and then we play Auburn. You know, it's just it's just Jordan-Hare. It's, it's just Jordan-Hare. So let's, not, let's not mention that Auburn is absolutely – was absolutely awful. And we, and then the Georgia game happens, and it's like that was the worst thing that could have happened to the team. It's the worst. Thing. And, you know, we won 41-24, but it was kind of blinded the fact we've had a problem with two coordinators. And then we're, we go into this year, and it's the same thing over and over again. Everything is so hard. Why everything is so hard. Everything takes so much effort, so much so much everything just to get something meaningful accomplished, even against bad teams. And it, it shouldn't be like that. It's not a lack of we don't have a lack of talent. It's just a lack of lack of coaching, not, not Nick Saban coaching, but uh and it's just so frustrating and so hard to watch. Alabama shouldn't have beat Texas 20-19. to 19. Are you kidding me? We're better than Texas. Much better. But, you know, we're sitting out here. We're, then we barely beat A&M. We have all – then, you know, the obviously the Tennessee game. And then this past weekend's LSU, which didn't shock me going into the game because I've just kind of learned Alabama on the road. We are who we are. And we, we're going to commit penalties, get ready for it this weekend too for those that decide to watch the game. And it, it's just it's been my biggest problem with it, especially the past two years, just under Bill O'Brien and Pete Golding is I'm so sick of everything being so hard because it shouldn't be hard. Even it even with Mike Loxley, Brian Dable, um, all, the, you know, Jeremy Pruitt, Kirby, you know, all everything was easy. Everything just everything flowed. Everything was in rhythm. Under Pete Golding and Bill O'Brien, everything has been so hard. It is like a giant adventure just to gain a first down, just to stop a third down. And it it just is, I've grown, I've grown tired of it. And, and that's kind of my spiel on, on all that. And, you know, the game this weekend, I mean, it just just kind of summed it all up. I mean, it's just part, part, part of what my complaints. I mean, we're sitting here. Playing LSU, we have a great first drive. Throw the pick, you know. Bryce leads JoJo Earl. Probably not a pick, you know. He didn't lead him. It is what it is. And after that, it you know just same thing. The same thing. Every everything's so hard, so difficult. Even the play that he threw to Brooks, that was a white. That was a great touchdown pass. I mean, look at the play. Look what all it took just to make it happen. Everything was an adventure. Running around, Johnny football stuff and everything, and then. And you sit there and you're like, man, it, that's great. You did that, and we appreciate it. But it shouldn't be that hard. It should not be that hard. And that's that's my biggest thing: is everything is so hard, and I can and I, I've grown tired of it.
0: Well, two things, uh, Landon. Let me ask you real quick. Um, Nick Saban continues to get in front of the media and say that yes, they'll have new coordinators come in, but it's Alabama's offense. It doesn't change that much, and it's Nick Saban's defense. You hear a lot of people say that. That's all going to be a bunch of bullshit, right? Because You think that Saban just says that because of recruiting, which would make sense, really. And uh, and another thing, how frustrated are you that we're having to sit here and talk about all this coming off a bye week? Like it, it's, it's one thing if you have to play, bam, you got to go to Tennessee. You got to play Mississippi State at home. And then the next week, you got go to go to Baton Rouge. You had an off week, and all you hear Nick Saban saying is self assess, self assess players and coaches. That's what we got to do. And you've seen Alabama teams in the past that they lose the game early, they get to that off week, and they come out, I mean, just with their hair on fire. And it was just the opposite with this team you run the ball six times on your first drive and you run it one time, the next three drives combined, you just completely abandon it. So how frustrated are you that we're having to talk about this and you have a performance like this coming off of a bye week from the offense and defense. And, uh, and also, you know, with Saban, is he saying that it's Alabama's offense and that we have a basic scheme and then a basic scheme on defense. Do you think he says that for recruiting purposes?
1: Well, he can say whatever the hell he wants to say in front of the media, but he's full of shit. I'd tell you that right now. This is not this this is I'm not sitting here saying the playbook isn't necessarily Alabama's playbook. I'm not saying that. But you can a hundred percent tell there's Bill O'Brien wrinkles and in, and in, in marks all over this offense. I mean, this is the same guy that at the beginning of the year trotted out Robbie Oots and Cam Latu in a two tight end set. The, Bill O'Brien's whole MO, even when he was in the NFL, OC, was tight ends, tight ends, tight ends, tight ends. And that's what the hell he trotted out there. We trotted out Robbie Oots, sorry ass, trying to make that work. I mean, that right there, that's not, that's not Alabama. That is Bill O'Brien. And then Pete, Pete Golding and his scheme – you know, we've gone to this nickel 2 four, five deal that he wants to do with this, the famous Cheetah package and having all these pass rushers with Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. And, look, Will Anderson and Dallas Turner are obviously very good players. I'm not sitting here saying they're not. And I'm not sitting here saying that it was necessarily a bad thought to have these guys in, this, in a lighter box and kind of cater to more of your pass rushers here. But it, it's not working. It's just not it's – it's not a talent. It's a scheme issue. When you watch Georgia play and they run a, a variation of a, a nickel defense just like this, dude, they, they don't have – they have three D linemen sometimes in there, sometimes all four. Sometimes they go, you know, with, with a Dallas Turner, Will Anderson type combination with two, with two heavy D, D line guys in the middle. Sometimes they do that. But they don't literally stay in that. And we stay in that. And, it, and, you know, coming off a of bye week, you would think something like that. You know, we're going to try to incorporate. You know, maybe we throw in a Tim Smith, a DJ Dell, and a um, Jaheim Otis all in there at once with Will Anderson on the outside. Oh, no. Dallas Turner, Will Anderson, same thing. In the middle, Jaheim Otis, DJ Dell, Tim Smith, you know, they just rotate those two spots. It's the same thing. And then we wonder why we give up 184 total yards on the ground to LSU. I mean, it, it – Coming out of a bye week, you want to work on these things. You know, these these late checks at the line of scrimmage, making Bryce snap the ball in under five seconds, making him think that, you know, 18- to 22-year-old kids have to operate an NFL-level offense at all three levels. Sarkeesian wasn't doing that shit. He wasn't. We were going tempo, going fast. Sometimes there were, there were certain occasions where Mac Jones did snap the ball in under five seconds because he was changing a play. But it wasn't literally every single down. And, and, it, and for us, that's what it is. And it's, and it's so frustrating. And I'm sitting here and I've ran about it. But it is just sitting here when you talk about it, it's, it's insane. I mean, we called this past weekend 55 called pass plays to 25 runs. And we are six in the country in yards per carry. Why would you do that? Why would you not and, and our quarterback supposedly has a shoulder issue kind of. Why would you ask a man to throw 51 times and you're a really good running team? The stats say so. Why do you why don't you want to cater to a strength? Why do you why do you want to do the opposite? And that's and that's a coordinator thing. That's that's a that's a him problem. And I and like I said, Coach Saban's not gonna get on a press conference and literally just you know, get on there and say, "Hey, Bill." Which kind of this week? I I don't know the exact quote. He kind of did throw yeah, some he, shade at Bill's he way. Didn't, he, he didn't may know back
0: that. him. He didn't back him too much like he usually does. I think you can see the writing on the wall.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't. I don't know. I don't have the exact quote right in front of me, but he didn't like sugarcoat it with him you know, on on that. And I, like I said, I don't have the exact quote of what he said. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's just. That's where I've just had my biggest problem is, you know, it it's all it's this is all a scheme and a and a coaching issue from both our defensive coordinator and our offensive coordinator, and both are equally at fault. Not one is more at fault than the other. They both each have their hand in the cookie jar here. And they both have they both have sucked at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Um and, and Saban will say he's like he 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 makes the comment that well, I've got the headset on. I hear every play that's called. Well, saving you, you got 40 seconds. You can't overrule every single play. You know, if you hear a play being called, then he goes, No, I want to run it here. Well, then, oh, okay, let me check my sheet. I, I gotta know the down and distance. I gotta know what they've been playing this in certain situations. You know, it, it's not that easy. You don't just say, Oh, I want to run it here after you hear a play call. So you do all that pre-game, like during the week, you when you're when you're getting your game plan together. Um, so the game plan probably was to attack the secondary. That was the weakest part of LSU's defense. But immediately from the first drive, you got to see that, hey, I, I want to try to run the ball until until you stop. And really, you're you're in a lose lose situation with that because if you run it twice and it's third and eight, then all the fans are going, well, you put the you you, you got the Heisman Trophy winner. Why are you running it twice? Yeah. So, I, but that's beside the point. He's not creative. I'm not going to defend him at all anymore, Lester. It's like been like 25 minutes on the podcast since I finally got to you. But, man, your initial thoughts and reactions from uh from from this performance, um, because, you know, we've, we've talked every week about the weekly performance that we're getting, and then for us to come off the bye week and see that absolutely nothing has changed. You know you're getting a running quarterback. You know he's leading the team in rushing. First play of overtime, who are we not going to guard? Oh, the quarterback, the one guy that can hurt us. And, uh, and you know, throughout the whole game, they were running just a simple little triple option play with a, a, a dive pull and then just a little option to flick it or a quarterback run. So it's just a triple option. And he just can't stop it. He, he runs for almost 100 yards. He's their leading rusher. You know he was going to get it. And so what are, what are your initial reactions following this
2: performance off of a bye week? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of kicking my stuff now because the after the Tennessee loss and the bye week on both those posts I I both failed to mention that um, this just does not seem like a national championship team. There there has not been any adjustments from week one to the Tennessee game, and clearly there were no adjustments from the Tennessee game to the LSU game. So they are who they are. I I mean as far as you know how I feel about it. I mean, shoot, this is—is I didn't expect to lose, but I was not surprised to see that they did. Um, and that's just kind of—it's just disheartening because they are better, as y'all have been talking about. This team is so much more talented and can do so much more than what they are currently doing. What they are currently producing, like Landon said, it should not look so hard, but it is. You know and they have been hamstrung by two coordinators. Um, and it's it sucks. Bryce is going to go down without leading this team to a natty. Will Anderson is going to go down without leading the team to a natty, but they are who they are. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I'm not upset about it at all. Point blank, period. This team is who they are, they are led by who they are led by and there, no changes are going to happen. So until changes happen, my expectations have, you know, thus far at a certain point, they just remain the same. I expect nothing more or nothing less from this team. It's going to look tough. It's going to look hard. It's going to be ugly. It is not going to be smooth. It is not going to be um, dominating by any means. And now we have a landscape in college football where talent is more equal um, coaching matters now more than ever in the game of football. Coaching matters more than ever in Alabama. You can't look across the SEC, and Alabama's the only team in the top ten with a top ten. A, a, Alabama's not the only SEC team top ten with the top ten recruiting class. Or, you know, no longer can Alabama go out and play bully ball. You know, people they've you know. You hear the echoes when people are saying that Georgia is the new Alabama, the new standard. Well, shoot, they kind of are. They're going out. They're beating people's asses. They're dominating on the recruiting trail. They're dominating on the field. And Alabama, they have not done that, and they aren't doing that. And until um, Saban looks in the mirror, some, some, some of the coordinators get out of there, some of the position coaches get out of there there's no reason to expect anything different from this team until those changes in the offseason are made.
0: Yeah. One thing I, uh, I mentioned whenever we got on here was the win that it took out of me this game simply because of the fact that we didn't have any injuries leading up to it. Alabama, we've always been hit with the injury bug. And then that leads to one, two or three losses in the season. They've all happened. Um, but this year was different. This year, we we didn't have any major injuries where a significant player went down with a torn ligament or or a broken bone. Uh, I know JoJo Earl missed some time, uh, but it's nothing like like you went through last year with Jamison Williams and John Mechie. Uh, so I'm talking about as far as injuries that led to the impact of the team. So I think the the biggest part or a big part of the failed season by Alabama standards, a failed season, is the fact that there wasn't any grit with the team. Uh, Landon brought up excuses earlier. They tried to use it as an excuse since the Tennessee game with all this anxiety bullshit. And Saban even said this week that it was unfair to the team to give them the expectations that they had and and that the expectation gave the team anxiety. That's the biggest cop-out I've ever heard from Nick Saban. At some point, the players have to be held accountable as well. Basically, when the big stage arrived, they ran and hid. I mean, did Saban not say in the preseason that last year was a rebuilding year? Did he not set this expectation up more than anybody? When you hear your head coach saying it at media days or whenever it was, he's like, oh, in a rebuild year, you went to the natty, and you probably would have won if you'd have had your star receivers. With With all these seniors and experience, you know, they're supposed to blow everybody out of the water. Now you lose two games and you bitch and moan about expectations that literally every single Alabama team has had in the last, what, 12, 13 years? Every year in the preseason, guys. Guess who's predicted to make the playoff? Alabama. And the fact that this year's team, with all the seniors they had and all the – and all the issues they had, that just screams lack of leadership, lack of grit, and lack of dog. And it, it is what it is, like Lester said. Uh as far as moving forward, Lannon is some of this is the best thing to do is just maybe watch as much of this roster as possible as far as graduating and getting guys out of here that are supposed to go to the NFL like Bryce and Will and get some players that are hungry and want to win for Alabama and not for their draft stock or nil bullshit,
1: I think I think the biggest thing, first and foremost, obviously, it's like Lester pointed out. We got to get the coordinators and some of these position coaches out of here. Um yeah,
0: because, because you don't I'm, have a you don't have a quarterback next year that can run a pro style. You don't. Ty Simpson can't do it. Jalen Miro, damn sure can't do it. So and, yeah, and, and you don't want it. you don't want one.
1: You don't want you don't want a a Bill O'Brien scheme in college football. You don't want that. You really don't. I mean, ask Jimbo Fisher what it looks like in college football running the same scheme. Because him and Bill O'Brien, they're the same person. They really are. They run the exact same stuff. The only difference is one has Haynes King and one has Bryce Young. And Bryce Young, it Bryce Young would do the same for Jimbo. He would mask a bunch of shit up. I mean, Todd Munkin, he's from the NFL at Georgia. He used to be with the Buccaneers. You don't see him asking Stetson Bennett, of all of all people, to make these checks at the line of scrimmage and do all that, all that stuff. You know why? Because he's not a dumbass. Steve Sarkeesian, he used to be with the Falcons. It, they had, he had the Falcons six in total offense. He didn't come to Alabama and start asking all our quarterbacks to start doing all that stuff. He's not asking Quinn years to do it right now at Texas because he's not stupid. It doesn't work in college football. You cannot ask 18- to 22-year-old kids, Uh, to execute at 100% at all three levels and especially in hostile environments and expect everybody to get the call 100% perfect in order for a play to be executed perfectly. It doesn't work like that in college football. The, The reason it works in the NFL is because you're dealing with grown men who do this 365 days a year that range from the age of 23 to however old Tom Brady is now. And they rep this stuff every single day and they know it. And it's not, you know, that's why you can't have that in college football. So all all these guys that are like, oh, Burton sucks. Oh, Holden sucks. All these these receivers sucks. Look, guys, you are no one is going to convince me. Every single one of Alabama's receivers that we have currently this year all just suck ass and can't play. You're not going to convince me of that. I'm sorry. Now – do I agree that some of them probably have some shitty attitudes, like a Trashawn Holden? Maybe, yeah, I'll get, I'll go with you there. But lack of ability and lack of talent, no, this, this, the scheme these guys are in, they cannot operate in our receivers. Man, we have a talented receiver room, we do, but you're not going to get anything out of them with Bill O'Brien's offensive scheme of having. Cam Latu run a post, and then the slot receiver also run a post, and then they run into the middle of each other, and then Bryce throws the ball, and they about hit each other. I think during the LSU game on one of the plays, we're back up in our own end zone. Bryce throws a ball to Corey Brooks, and I already know y'all already know what I'm talking about, and Cam Latu is literally right next to him. How does that happen?
0: Dude, even on the busted touchdown pass, Bond and, and Ja'Cory were, like, right there. And I know it's probably exactly. a scramble, Jill, but why the hell are you scrambling to towards each other? I mean, they like, either one of them could have caught it. They're right there. It's crazy.
1: Uh, exactly. It, and it's the, cra- it's the craziest thing thing to me because it's all it's, – it's all, you can see it plain as day. All these guys don't just suck and they're no good or they're not giving effort and all this other jazz. This scheme is awful. It is terrible. Now, do I agree to some extent as well that like the Will Anderson, the anxiety comment, and all that stuff? Yeah, bro, that's bush league. Like, like, don't say that. You, that's embarrassing. Don't you can't you can't say that. But also, I think him saying that though stems from the locker room because let's be let's be real. Will Anderson said anxiety and all that stuff because he heard it from somewhere. He had to have hear it from somewhere. And it's not like he's going to have anybody come down on his ass. Can you imagine Pete Golding getting in the face of Will Anderson?
0: I'd love Boy, it. That'd that's, be that's exactly what you need. Because I guarantee Kirby oh, Smart and absolutely. Jimmy Pruitt would do it.
1: Yeah, they 100% would. But what I'm saying is you I can't even see Pete Golding getting in the old, his getting in the face of his own kids, let, al- let alone Will Anderson. I mean, are you kidding me? He'd be scared to death. Now, I'm sure Pete – Pete kind of reminds me of that fun, that fun coach we all had in high school. Or the, you know, the guy he was the history teacher. He was what about, like Mister.
0: What about the Mister. Everything?
1: Yeah, the drunk uncle. Yeah, yeah. the guy you used to laugh at. You know, he's funny. He's like, you know, the players like, oh man, I love Coach Golden. He's cool, man. You know, and all that stuff. I'm sure he is. I'm sure Pete's a very nice guy. But dude, you can't be nice and and, and be a football coach. You got to be a jackass sometimes. You gotta get getting the guys shit when they don't do stuff right on the sideline. You need to get them all over there in the huddle with that whiteboard and start hitting that damn whiteboard and telling them like, "Hey, this is what we're supposed to do. Let's get the fuck up." You know, the, all that stuff that we saw Jeremy Pruitt do, we saw Kirby Smart do, and we're seeing him do it right now at Georgia. And ironically, look how Georgia's defense defenses play. They got they take on the personality of their coordinator and their head coach. And you know what? Our offense and our defense has. When you watch Bill O'Brien when he was with the Houston Texans and everything was so disorganized, traded DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, you know, all that that Deshaun Watson deal and everything like that, it was very disorganized. He got fired. Well, look at our offense right now. Is it not disorganized? It plays just like Bill O'Brien operates it. Pete Golding, he's a nice dude. He's cool and everything. Guess what? Defense plays like it. So, all these all these guys, a lot of these guys, unfortunately, have taken on the personality of him, and it's probably time to go and just move on to better things. Like, you know, like, hey, Will, you've been great for Alabama. You've been a hell of a player to watch. But the anxiety comments and all that stuff, that's just not going to go away.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's gone anyway. He's a top five pick, and we all know that. But, yeah, regarding the coordinators, it's – and whenever you make your next selections, recruiting should be the least of your concern because you're getting beat by teams with less talent than you. I know it's. I know it's the transfer portal has leveled the landscape of college football, as Lester mentioned. But at the same time, on paper, Texas, Texas A and M, Tennessee, and LSU do not have better players than Alabama. Tennessee is not even close to the talent level of Alabama across the board on both sides of the ball. What is what makes Tennessee great is scheme, it is the offensive style that they run suits their their speed, and, and it's just it doesn't matter who's a receiver when when you run that type of offense, you're going to have guys running wide open. So, I mean, yeah, like you're you're talking about the team taking on the personality of the coaches. That's 100 percent right. And do you, I mean, everybody remembers the video of. I don't remember what game it was, but defense didn't play well on the drive, and, and Pruitt is over there just, just chewing their asses out, and Saban comes walking over to chew their ass out too, and he hears Pruitt, and he immediately just turns and walks away because that guy's doing his job. I don't have to. I don't have to babysit anybody because that guy is doing what he's supposed to be doing, but offensively staying on that side of the ball, Lester, do you realize that Alabama went five quarters without a touchdown? With Bryce Young at quarterback. They scored in the second quarter of the Mississippi State game and early in the fourth quarter of the LSU game. And in these four games, these four close ones, uh, Texas, Texas AM, which you had the backup quarterback, I get it. Um, Tennessee and LSU in regulation, Bill O'Brien scores twenty-seven and a half points a game. He can't even get to a to the 30 mark how much dysfunction do you have to have to take this much talent and lose two games and have two others decided within four
2: points it is mind boggling that's why that's why when all these people are defending bill lebron they're full of shit is coming out of their ears it is an injustice that this man cannot score at least one touchdown per quarter of football every single game. Alabama should never be held scoreless in any quarter of a football. Like I get it. No, it happens. Sure. I get He You play a great team. Uh, you play a great defense, whatever. It happens. But from them to go on a scoring drought. No, it wasn't that they didn't score this quarter. It wasn't that they didn't score this half. They scored. They went scoreless long enough for somebody to classify it as a drought. Personally, that's embarrassing, guys. It's embarrassing. It should never happen here at Alabama with Bryce Young or with any quarterback or with Gibbs, your running back. And by the way, he's the only one who has a prayer to do anything in this offense. And that is, I don't know, that's a crime against humanity. It it, it shouldn't happen. It should not be this hard. Um... Dang, I did not know that five quarters. That is now. we went. Yeah. Route, it's, it's bad. And I don't know how, like I said, the offensive numbers, you know, ranked yada, 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 is score this many yards per game. It don't matter. When you boil it down, when you look up all the advanced numbers, this offense is bad. It's bad. It is not good at all. And it's, because of the guy running it, guys. That's it. That's all it comes down to.
0: Lester, what, what what are you gonna feel if Alabama goes into Oxford and I I cause I guess you can't use the anxiety excuse anymore, right? You got no more pressure on you. You're done. You ruined your chance, you're out. LSU's not losing to Arkansas, they're not losing to Texas AM, and they damn sure ain't losing to both of them. And Georgia's gonna beat you forty-two to seven in the SEC championship game. So Georgia's got a cake wall, as they usually as they usually do when Alabama's not in the picture. So, what do? You, how are you going to feel if Alabama goes over there and just beats the hell out of Ole Miss? Because if you think about it, that could happen. Because Bill O'Brien's like, hell, I got three games left. What do I have to lose? I'll just call all this random shit that we haven't run, and then they execute it. That's that very well could happen. See, how are you going to feel, feel then?
2: I don't see. I don't have to worry about even thinking that because it's not going to happen. Who has Alabama beat the shit out of in the past two years?
0: Nobody. That's good. Right. That's worth a
2: damn. Yeah, for real. I mean, uh, like, I would feel, I would feel differently if this team was damn good, if they were kicking ass, and they lost by a total of four points against top ten teams on the road. I would feel completely different about this game versus the team that we have now. Can't. Put anybody away, won't put the foot on anybody's neck. Haven't beaten anybody's ass. I, I I don't even have to worry about feeling what's going to happen if they beat the hell out of Ole Miss because it ain't going to happen. This team lacks a killer instinct. They lack an offense where guys can run free, be open, score touchdowns. I mean, I don't I don't even have to worry. I'm not even going to think about it because it's not going to happen. Now, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, this team can go one or two ways. They can nut up, or they can fold up. And based Hell. on the past performances, based on you know the characters and characteristics of this team, I think at best they squeak by Ole Miss. I'm not expecting a huge performance.
0: Man, your your nutting up window has closed. That was that was two weeks. Yeah, ago. it's
2: over with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the battle.
0: You, you ruined it. Yeah, you you had the chance to regroup. Find some, you know, uh, you shouldn't have to find any motivation. It's right there. You lose, you're out. You had back-to-back road games to decide the SEC West, and you cocked it up. And, And so, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they go in here and lose. Landon, everybody knows how desperate Kiffin is to beat Saban. I mean, of all the coaches that want a piece of him, I'm not sure if there's one that wants to beat him more than Kiffin. He can call him his friend, all this crap. Kiffin's a troll. Uh, he 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 likes to show off in front of the media. He's always going to be that way. Nobody wants to beat Saban more than Kiffin because of the public embarrassment that Saban gave him repeatedly on the sidelines. All the stories that have come out since Kiffin has left. Uh, the way it ended in 2016 with Kiffin um, – being let go before the national championship game, which I think eventually cost Alabama another natty. So in this game, he's never had a better chance to beat him, might not ever have a better chance to beat him. You've got a team that has nothing to play for. you got a team that comes to Alabama to get NIL and to get drafted. And uh, so that draft stock is, a, is in the back of a lot of these guys' heads, especially with the national championship off the table. They might play hard to try to win a natty, but once that's off the table, how hard are these guys actually going to actually gonna play? Because they're one big injury from uh, being knocked down 15, 20 spots in the draft, which should cost you millions of dollars. That's always a possibility. Kiffin's had a week to prepare. What do? You, how do you see this game going in Oxford Saturday?
1: I mean, I see it going exactly how all the other road games have go, gone gone for Alabama. I see everything being still very hard as always. I'm gonna see a lot I'm gonna see a lot of penalties. I mean, we're gonna get probably 10, ten penalties at least, that's bare minimum. If we get below that, I'll be shocked. Uh and it'll everything will be one giant adventure to try to make something happen. The same thing that we've that same that I mean, all this same stuff even occurred last year when we had Jamison Williams and John Mechie. It's the same thing. It was just long, one long adventure. The only game that all came together was the SEC championship. We played Georgia. Other than that, everything else was hard. It's just like this year. Everything else has been hard. So, when Ole Miss – Ole Miss on paper, I mean, Ole Miss to me, they're, you know, they're what, 8-1 and one, I think. I don't even think Ole Miss is that good. I really don't. they are They struggled to beat Tulsa, Troy, Kentucky. Auburn ran for ha- half a mile on them. Um and that's with a quarterback that can't even throw the football uh so I'm looking at their I'm looking at all the things they've done I mean LSU beat the hell out of them I don't I mean, how they're they're 8 and 1 and realistically they could finish the year 8 and 4 to be honest with you um cuz I don't really think they're that good I don't but Alabama can't beat a bad team anyway so what's I mean, so what's it really matter? You know, the spread's twelve and a half. I'd go ahead and lock that in. Ole Miss plus twelve and a half. Don't worry about that one, folks. Done it. Um, yeah, I went ahead and did that one. Bet of the week, uh, for me. Um, so so yeah, I mean, there they're, they're an offense. Jackson Dart's not that good of a quarterback, he really isn't. But Lane Kiffin's scheme is really good. So he can and he's gonna just toy with Pete Golding. That's gonna be a that's gonna be like a horror movie. Um but Judkins and Zach Evans at running back, I mean, man, you pr- pretty much the key to Ole Miss, you stop them from running the football, they can't really do anything. But wh- what are we going to stop? We're going to trot out two defensive linemen and, and then D- Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, who are going to get manhandled by either a tight a tight end also chipping in on them with a tackle. And the rest, the rest of the guys in the middle, they're not going to do anything. Jaheim Moses will get probably double-teamed. And they're gonna Ole Miss is gonna get four to five yards of carries and their so their offense is gonna function in at, at least six six yards of play, probably. So everything's gonna look easy for Ole Miss against us, and it's gonna be a dogfight game. I'm not saying we don't we won't win or anything like that. I'm just saying say we that. Alabama Alabama should beat a bad team. And Ole Miss is not that great of a team. They really aren't. I don't care what the record says. They're really not that good of a team. We have more talent than them. We're better in the trenches, trenches, and then talent for talent, but it it won't show on the field, and that's the biggest thing. that's so frustrating when you when you're going to watch the game. They shouldn't even be on the same field. Alabama should walk in there and literally win by 21 minimum, but we won't. And and it's a it's a shame. I mean, they're literally going to blitz seven to eight guys or six to seven guys, I guess, all going to go up the middle. When they go up the middle, Bryce is going to have to scramble around, look like Johnny Football in order to make a play happen. And if he can't find anybody open, he's just going to dump the ball off to Gibbs, who leads our team in receptions. By the way, if your running back leads your team in receptions, guess what? Your offense probably sucks. Your, run, your running back, your running back should never lead your offense in receptions. Should ne- never, ever ever should happen never
0: yeah he's uh he's got like 39 receptions i don't think anybody else even has 30 yet this season yeah it's not and that's because it's, not it's like so it's 30, nfl based yeah it's not like it's 39 37 or 39 36 it's not close um yeah i He's got three guys here that are thinking about the same stuff. I don't think Alabama wins. Uh, I don't. I don't think they win at all. I, I don't. See, I won't be
1: shocked. I don't see shocked. what
0: I don't see what Bryce Young has to play for. You can sit up here and say that you're a leader. Uh, you're gonna lead your team. You love your boys or whatever, dude. You're from California. What shit do you give about Alabama? You don't give a shit. You came here to get developed. You came here to get to the NFL. You're done. Done. You're a top three pick. You hang him up right now. And you don't play football for Alabama for the rest of your life. You're going top five. Same thing with Will Anderson. What the hell you got to play for? Like you're done. You you done. You've done what you have to do. And so with, with nothing on the line, I, I just I don't see where Alabama gets this motivation from.
1: And we no because it's not going to come from the coaches.
0: Yeah, and we haven't seen this in forever. It's been a long time. Because even, even in uh in 2019, all Alabama had to do was go play Michigan. You know, you, you give Nick Saban a month to prepare, he's going to beat anybody's ass. That's why Alabama has not lost an opening game, and that's why they literally shut down Florida State's program when they were number three in the country. That's why they take all these top ten teams and just beat the hell out of them, because Saban prepares for them all summer instead of preparing for other teams as well. <laughs> um, So... In this case, though, I, I just I don't see where Alabama gets this motivation from, especially with a mellowed out Nick Saban, a, a Nick Saban that's no longer in guys' face. He no longer gets pissed off at officials. He no longer gets pissed off at players. You've seen it maybe two or three times this year, max. Him get upset on the sidelines. I mean, so uh, until I, I don't see where Alabama gets his motivation from, and I think this is just another national championship. It's the fifth. The fifth national championship that Alabama's played this year. Uh, you know, you played one in Austin, you played one at home versus Texas A and M, you played one in in Knoxville, you played one in Baton Rouge. You're going to play one in Oxford. And
2: that's just no. And if is. they
1: win, they'll storm the field like yeah. always. Yeah, and it'll be the greatest thing ever.
0: Well, let me say this: everybody wants to. Everybody wants to bitch and moan about the fans storming the field. How about you just win? Just win the game because I agree. just told you, like Alabama has not played a team this year with even close to the talent they have. I mean, Hendon Hooker's not Bryce Young. Jalen Hyatt was – he wouldn't – I mean, Alabama had like seven receivers rated higher than, than Jalen Hyatt, but their scheme makes him look great. It's just it, – it is what it is. So, no, I don't I don't expect Alabama to go in here and do anything at all. Um, Lester, in about 14, 15 minutes – Coming up on the or left left on the podcast, we don't want to go too long. I mean, gosh, we could rant about this team all night, but at this point, we're just beating a dead horse. It's the same thing that we said for going on seven or eight weeks now. Really, post Texas, uh, that's when I that's when I started my whole thing about you know it's 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 a trend playing on the road. It's not an outlier with with Bill O'Brien in the booth, but Alabama started on the hardwood um, Monday night. Lester, you know you've got. A bunch of new faces, dude. Uh Alabama played – was it Longwood? Is that who it was? Longwood. Yeah, a team that um won their conference last year. Or maybe, I don't know, Landon knows – Dude, guys, Landon knows more stats about nobody teams than anybody I've ever met. He was texting us about Liberty earlier. Talking about they got some 5'9 dude that shoots like 36%. I'm like, how do you know all this shit? That's but hilarious. so Landon will, Landon will give you a breakdown of what Longwood did last year because he knows, but they're a pretty solid team that had a lot of guys returning. Alabama scores 75 points, Lester, but 48 of them coming from true freshmen. Noah Clowney, Brandon Miller. Um who else we have in here? Rollin Griffin. Griffin, yeah. Ryland, he, he shot a lot. And we still shot for shit from from the art. We were three out of twenty-eight. From Date, but seven or forty-eight of the 75 points coming from freshmen. Talk about what you liked from, from this Bama basketball team on Monday night.
2: I love it. It was so much fun but to be watch. Car- be careful now. Because you know what Bama basketball I, does. I know, I know. I know. I know. I but look, these guys they have three freshmen do that. Three freshmen. Look, I think that this this class. That freshman class um, Oaks brought in, they're the real deal. They are. Um, I think Rylan Griffin, um, Brandon Miller, Clowney. I mean, you have a guy at all three levels contributing. You have your guard, you have your forward, and you have a big man in the middle. And look, the most exciting part about this team to me was their rebounding and defense. This team has size. They're long. They're tall. They're athletic. They can jump out the gym. That's going to be some exciting basketball to watch. I don't care. If they, I don't. I, I don't care if they went over thirty from three for them to go out shoot those numbers and still beat the hell out of a really good team. That bodes well. well it's first game of the year. Like I said, a lot of freshmen. Coleman Coliseum. All that jazz. Whatever. Look, the shots are going to come. You know what? if the shots don't come, this team has proved that Bediaco, the guys in the middle, the mid-range game, they can still score in other different – they are not a three-or-nothing team anymore, I feel like. And I know, once again, um, Trey's going to get on to me or whatever because I'm so optimistic right now. But game one, this team has shown a lot of promise regarding things that you can't coach. You can't coach effort. You can't coach. I mean, you can't coach defense, but you can't coach effort. You can't coach, you know, bust your ass back down to play to get back on defense. Like, that stuff matters. And from game one, I think what Saban should have done, Nate Oates probably looked himself in the mirror this offseason, talked to a couple folks, made some changes, and guess what? He made the right changes. So going forward, I'm I'm very ecstatic. I'm very, very happy about what I saw against this, with this team on um their first game.
0: You you did see a couple of mid-range shots. I know Mark Sears pulled up, but he he, he left them short a good bit. So, you hope that – I'd like to see that trend continue. And like we said before, if you've been a follower of the podcast, Landon, and I know you have, plus you're a basketball guy as well, you know. We've, we've wanted for the last year or so – I understand that you want to hit the three ball and you want to run and gun, but – four to five pull-ups a game ain't going to kill you. And, you know, you go three out of five from 10, 12 feet. Now, I I don't want you stepping in and shooting a 17-footer when you could just shoot a – you know, step back two feet and and shoot a three. That's I understand that. The deep twos you don't want. But just so a guy can't sag off you and and meet you at the bucket because he knows that's where you're going because you're so analytical – So, that was good to see. Um, Landon, were you a little surprised by Noah Clowney getting in the starting lineup? And I just ran down the stats. Charles Bediaco was the only guy that scored on Monday that played on last year's team. So, you look at 67 out of the 75 were from true freshmen and newcomers. You know, guys like Namari Burnett, who who was hurt last year, and Nick Pringle, the Ajuco guy. So, what I mean... You got just a whole a huge roster turnover, which of course is nothing new in basketball. And so how 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 impressed were you with Noah Clowney almost snagging a double double in his first game? And were you surprised to see him starting?
1: Well, Noah Clowney was one of those guys that we got this year that, you know, we just his four star recruit, Rock Hill, South Carolina. You know, people didn't really think much of it, you know, just another four star in basketball, but it's that it was actually one of the players that we had been hearing, you know, all offseason that, hey, like these coaches are kind of shot at how good this kid is. Like – and then we started to look, look and look and see, like, when we went on the foreign tour, you know, this guy was snagging double-doubles and everything like that. And we're kind of like, okay, you know, this guy – you know, and then we figure out he can shoot. And then we figure out he can play defense. You know, he even made a three in, his, in the game uh, this past weekend. Uh, went one for four. But, you know, hey, man, when you're a big man like that, you know, he's 6'9". Man, if he goes one for four every night from three, I'm, hey, I'll take it. You know, twenty you give me give me one and you're a big guy like that. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm gonna get me upset. Um, but yeah, I mean he was he was really, really good. And uh I think it also shows you just, you know, ran off the stats like you just did, it kind of shows you what we were really working with last year. I mean, our team last year, and I don't know if people remember this and I can't remember the exact game, maybe in a couple games. I mean we were bringing in Brenton Johnson off the bench just to get a spark, just to get something going, and that's what I mean. And that's what I love about Coach Oates; he's not afraid just to try everything and see what the hell sticks. And we even went with that. Darius Miles this uh, in our game Monday; he didn't play worth a shit. He looked he's, awful. Yeah, matter of fact, it, when
2: when when seven, the
0: game was
2: that he Go didn't ahead.
0: play. Uh, I said that he didn't play much in the second half because he's he's still kind of nursing an injury. I'm like, yeah, and he also freaking sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he look, and look, he may have just had a bad game. And it is what it is. I mean, players have bad games, and I understand. But, you know, the first half, I mean, we were beating Longwood like a drum. I mean, it was worse. And the only reason they even cut the game to win it within eight was because Darius Miles had like three or four turnovers by himself. And it was it was bad. I mean, he stopped our offense from flowing. Everything went out of rhythm. So, guess what? He didn't even play second half. Noah Gurley, same story. He didn't really play. And both those guys played last year. They played meaningful minutes. And that's what you didn't have. And then, you know, everybody talks about, oh, we live by the three. We live by the three. We live by the three. We do what we don't. Our team is a transition-based team. And we played a fast pace. So when you play really good defense, like you saw this past weekend or this past uh, this past game, you can afford to not shoot the ball great, like we did from three point. We three of twenty eight ain't great, and still win comfortably like we did. Because Longwood last year they returned four of their five starters, and they made a they were a fourteen seed in the NCAA tournament. So it's not like no, they're not Duke, obviously, but. They're not a bad team for their classification, and the team we're playing on Friday, Liberty, they're not a bad team. They're 81st on Ken Palm, and just like you were talking about earlier, I was telling telling y'all they have a little five nine point guard who's a little shit that people are going to get frustrated with watching. This kid can freaking hoop. He he averages 24 points a game, 39 percent three point shooter, 88 percent free throw shooter. This kid can play. So if we want to see what kind of link this team really has with Jaden Bradley going to be matched up on him, Mark Sears, Namari Burnett, all these long guards are going to have to match up on him. And then we got – he may get switched on with a pick-and-roll, get Brandon Miller on him and everything. You're going to see what kind of length we really got because this kid takes a high amount of volume of shots, and he's a pretty solid player. Even last year when he was playing D1 competition against LSU, BYU, Missouri, all these teams, dude, he was giving them 30 every game. He dropped 44 on Stanford. This kid is this kid is pretty freaking good. So we're gonna really see what kind of what kind of uh, length and all we really got. I think they said also the 67 rebounds we got was like the most rebounds ever recorded in a college basketball game since like 2011 by North Carolina, I think. Uh, so yeah, Longwood was kind of a small team. I think the highest guy they have was six seven, and a lot of their guards went six six foot to six three. But dude, when you out rebound somebody about twenty nine and you grab sixty seven boards, I mean that's telling. That 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 that's pretty that's pretty solid. Yes, something you build off of. So I was really pleased seeing the length of our team, and obviously like Lester said, the shots will fall. I it can't get much worse than ten percent from three, like we were three of twenty eight. So I'm not saying we're going to start shooting the daylights out of it, but it can't get worse. So I'll just leave it at that.
2: I uh, hey, those numbers. You know, real quick, what was, that? What was, what was the, that? Oh, the free throw numbers. I feel like we missed more than eighteen, 18 to twenty six.
0: We're sixty nine percent from the stripe, and then eleven percent from deep. It was terrible. Yeah, yeah, they got to get the free throw percentage up. That's one thing that has to improve for sure. Lester, me, and Dad were watching the game, and and one thing, the, one of the first things we saw was the length. And like Landon said, maybe it was because Longwood had a smaller, a smaller team. But you can still see that size, and you, you've got Charles in there at seven foot, and you've got Clowney at, at, at six nine. But your small forward is six nine also, and Brandon Miller, but he moves like a shooting guard. Burnett is six four. Sears is six one. He's the smallest player on the team. That's going to get big time minutes. Well, I guess when Q comes back, he'll be six one as well. But uh, Jaden Bradley six three, a, a bigger. Point guard, you know, Gurley's still six eight, Pringle six nine off the bench, Rylan Griffin six foot five at the two. So one thing, the first thing we noticed was the length that we had, and that's something that you didn't see last year with guys like Jawan, Gary, and Rojas, and all of these guys. Shackelford wasn't a long guy. Uh, it's Talk, emphasize, or just continue on with the length that Landon was talking about. That the one thing that I know, or one of the first things I noticed, and how that can play a factor in Bama, you know, making a run towards an SEC uh, regular season championship.
2: Yeah. Once again, that's another one of those intangibles that you just can't coach. And, you know, being tall, being lengthy, being long, that plays into rebounding. It plays into, Defense, when you're trying to play the lanes, that plays into, you know, reaching in grabbing the steal. All of that, things that, you know, just God just blessed him with, that is something that is just going to help tremendously. And it's not just one person, like they're big at every position. So when you're above average, just by stepping on the court versus the guy that you're playing against, that's an advantage before the ball's even tipped off. So, yeah, all that plays into defense, um, I guess shooting kind of, a little bit. But the things that matter, your defense, rebounding, things that will win you ballgames. I, I don't know how many offensive rebounds Alabama had, but it made my heart happy. I mean, just the effort across the board. Brandon Miller, a double-double from a true freshman in his first collegiate game. He is going to be the real deal. So, yes. All that matters, long and athleticism, it bodes it trouble for anybody who comes up against them this year.
1: I kind of piggyback off you off that, Lester. I mean, the thing is also that kind of went unsung about the rebounding. You know, Chase just mentioned Mark Sears, smallest guy on the team, one. Mark Sears had a double-double. He was 12 points and 10 boards. And that right there tells me that there's 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 hustle. There's hustle out there on this team, and you know when you got a when you got a guy that small grabbing a double double in college in college basketball. I really don't care what team you're playing. That just tells me that dude's playing hard and he's he's getting after it. I he mean, the one thing I yeah he ain't afraid to get he ain't afraid to get down and dirty, and that's what we need. You know, we talk about the football team got to have dogs. Well, the basketball team, that right there, that one little stat showing me a six one little point guard getting ten boards in game 1 that shows me that shows me that kid's got some dog in him
0: that was that that was the next point I was going to bring up is that I thought mark you know he almost had a triple double with turnovers as well uh it, the stat book has five but it seemed like 35 i mean this dude turned it over a hell of a ton but he's all over the court he's having one man backcourt pressure which is something that i've been begging for um to for since Nate has got there that he really doesn't do. We think we started pressing, we were up 20 with four minutes left for some reason. But, uh, yeah, I thought Mark did a good job of rebounding, but also starting the break. And I, I just I, – I think he, he's going to fit into the system well. I think he's – and he's not afraid to pull a trigger. So, if you've got – if you're that trigger happy, I think you must be a pretty good shooter because you wouldn't be pulling – Pulling shots from 23, 24 feet in game one, if you didn't, if you didn't knock them down in practice, so I think Oats has confidence in him shooting that shot. Um, Brandon Miller as well went a fat over six from the from the arc, so I, I look for that to change as well. Um, but yeah, Sears and Burnett combined for ten of our nineteen turnovers. Jaden Bradley only one turnover in 22, 23 minutes, something like that. So yeah, I, I look for maybe a little bit. Less Sears and more Bradley as time goes on. You know, I look for them to split, you know, right at 20, 20 minutes apiece, 21 minutes, something like twenty one nineteen, 21-19, something like that. Um But, uh yeah, anything else you want to add on basketball? We're right at an hour or whatever, so we're going to ease on out of here unless there's
2: anything else you want to add. Um Based on I'll, the I'll, performance – oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Landon.
1: I was just going to say one thing about the turnovers. I mean, they that from what I saw in the game, we had nineteen. But I call them, I'll call them as we all we all know, uh, the the famous Shackelford and John Petty turnovers when they would dribble the ball, and they just dribble it off their feet, and you know because they couldn't even dribble worth a shit. I, I felt like we didn't have as many of those type turnovers. I felt like when watching the game, a lot of our turnovers were. Mark Sears thinking Brandon Miller's going to do a backdoor cut yeah, and he passion. throws it behind him instead of, in, instead of in front of him or vice versa. I felt like they were a lot of miscommunication type turnovers that will get better as team chemistry goes along within each game. Uh, so that, that's one thing that I think is, can be encouraging going forward. Uh, now no one luck, me just saying this, we'll have freaking 25 turnovers against Liberty. Um, Knock on wood, but um, and then one last point I just wanted to make was I, I thought Nick Pringle was a really really good good player uh, for us on Monday. I think he he had three blocks, four points. I mean he's kind of one of those like athletic under the basket put put back type of bigs. Um, kind kind of very similar, I think, to Dylan Cardwell for Auburn uh, in a way had the same play style. Uh, but real a really good rim protector, and I think he can be a really good asset for us this year.
2: I think um <laughs> was it Alex Reese where Oaks was in the huddle? I said oh you're soft as shit. I, I think he was talking
0: to the whole team.
2: He's probably talking to the whole team. My, the point I want to make there is I don't think he's gonna ever have to say that with this team. This team looks like they're a bunch of dogs. They're a bunch of guys who fit Oats's personality. They're playing hard and they're giving effort, which is what he wants. He can he can live with that, win or lose. So. I think that, you know, just from just from an effort standpoint, this is gonna be a really, really, really fun team to watch. And look for them to make some noise in the SEC and in the SCAA tournament. And I mean that would be great and all,
0: but Lester the one thing I can say about that is whenever you go, if you go and get five one and duns, of course they want to show out, show out for their draft stock. But these guys that are ranked, because it seems like if you're ranked below 50. In basketball, you're just forgotten about. You're completely like, oh, this guy will never do anything. It's just, it's all about that top fifteen. You know, you know the lottery pick. It's like it's like one through fifteen on the two four seven recruiting sites overall. That's the lottery. Like you ain't got to worry about anything else. That's who's going in the lottery. I mean, Nerland's Noel. What did he play? Landon like ten games and tore his ACL. Still went like third overall as a true freshman. Where the hell is that guy at now?
1: Yeah, well, same with Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. You know, he played like seven games at Duke. Yeah, well, he yeah. turned out to be
0: pretty good. <laughs>
1: oh no, no, no! I know I get what you mean. I'm just, I'm just saying. I
0: mean, J.D. Davidson, like that guy, was a one and oh, done. No matter. Oh. What. He was complete ass cheeks last year. Didn't matter. Everybody's like, well, maybe J.D. will come back. I'm like, dude, the guy ain't coming back. <laughs> like, you're top ten coming out of high school, it don't matter. It don't matter what you play. If you play, how you play, don't matter. You're, you're, you're going to the draft uh it might not result in a lottery pick but you're going to the nba no matter what because that's that's all the hype you get so you got guys like clowney and Rylan griffin uh, griffin that were ranked lower quote unquote for basketball standards uh in the recruiting rankings and then you know you got guys that you're you're one and done like brandon miller i assume he would be that but then you got burnett coming off a knee injury you got beadyako who was a highly talented guy a five star in some cases And he was bad last year. He's really skinny. He's put on some weight. He's got a lot to prove. Um, But the portal guys, I love. Coming from the small schools, guys like uh, Wendell Green from Auburn, and then we've got Mark Sears, those guys have something to prove because you're upping your competition level. And, yeah, oh, this guy averaged 22 a game at so-and-so school. Yeah, well, he's playing mid-majors every – and I know those are good schools, but the talent level is not that at the SEC. That's why they don't win national championships. Um, so whenever you come into – whenever you, you had these transfer guys, it's like they have something to prove. And it's like by the end of Shaq's career, he was just going through the motions. He had been here so long, every single year he tested the waters. They're like, dude – your cheeks. You're a China player. Like you're never going to play in the NBA. You're not good enough. And so he'd, he'd mope on, he'd sulk on back to Tuscaloosa and half-ass it for another year. And that just got old. You see what I'm saying? So it seems like there's new guys in here. Nick Pringle coming over from Ju- the Juco ranks, Um, you know, Gurley transfer from Furman where he showed out, he comes to Bama, he sucks. So he's looking to make improvements. But to me, I love Lester that there's guys that are that are hungry or both of y'all, y'all can both weigh in on this. I look at the roster and I look at the all the new the fresh blood we have out here. And it seems like I can make a case for almost every single one of them to actually have some want to and put, put forth some pride and play in playing defense. And that's one thing that I saw the other night was very aggressive on the defensive floor, defensive end of the floor.
1: Yeah. I mean, we you know these guys are hungry. I mean, it's basically kind of what it all boils down to. Is you and you can see that. I mean, a guy that hasn't even played that that uh, that we're I'm hoping we'll see play, and I guess in the next couple of games is Dominic Welch that came from Saint Bonaventure, a team that always makes the tournament. Uh, he's a and he's an old guy. I mean, this guy's like I think 20, 23, 24. I don't even know. Uh, with a whole COVID deal, thirty nine percent three point shooter. I mean, this guy's a three and D type type of player. Long six six. I mean. So, talk about the shooting woes. You know, someone you insert someone like him. We haven't even seen that. Could also help as well. So, I think it. I think you are right. You know, this is great to see see all this new blood because I think that was my biggest complaint. And I can remember us doing this podcast. You know, after we had you know lost UCLA and everything like that in the tournament, is guys like John Petty, you know, and Shackelford and everything. Like, look, we appreciate what you've done and we uh, thank you for being here. But sometimes. New new blood is what a program needs, and that's what Alabama needed. I mean, we needed new blood. We needed the shackle for gone. The only one – I mean, the petties. And we, the only one left that we got is – and he's not playing right now because he got hurt, unfortunately, is Javon Quinterly. Dude, and if when, I Quinterly stopped,
0: when I stopped talking, get, I, I thought about him, and I was like, oh, shit. That guy is the exact opposite of what I'm talking about. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. You know, what Quinterly will will Alabama get? Will we get the Quinterly that we saw last year that was just like, yeah, 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 you know, like turnover machine 2.0? Or are we going to get the Quinterly we saw in that SEC tournament March Madness deal? Because if Alabama gets that that Quinterly to go along with what I'm seeing right here, this is going to be a very damn fun basketball season, assuming everybody stays healthy.
2: What if Q comes back and he's, like, just a sniper. Like, dude, don't even dribble the ball. Like, we don't need to dribble. Don't do that. Just just play the two or just be another PG on the floor and just catch and shoot and play defense. Like, well, Lester, we, got, we got reliable ball handlers now.
0: Lester, is it is it possible that that Q in 2020 realized that he didn't have to do too much in order to fit in with the team? And then last year he was like, well, screw it. Nobody else can throw it in the ocean, so let me try to make something happen here. Then he ends up turning it over or throwing up a bad shot because he's not really getting a lot of help. Could that be possible?
2: That can be very possible. It it won't all be on his shoulders. You know, the funnest part about this team is the depth. You know, Welch, hell, I forgot about that guy. You know, I knew knew he had keep in the back somewhere. But, man, there's depth. There's guys who can contribute at a high level at every level on this team. Guards, forwards, and the big men in the middle. So, you know, going from – ones to the twos or it shouldn't even be that it should all just be to be mix and match if you're off, well i got you tonight you know what i mean so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's gonna be um it's a team that has a recipe for success man and they're they're definitely gonna be should be the top two or three team in the sec
1: oh you know and the thing is like if our worst problem is Noah Gurley or Darius Miles might be our worst like rotational type players? That's not a bad thing, like to really think about it. I mean, because who was our worst rotational player last year? James Rojas,
2: Darius Miles. I mean, no, like he's off of Miles, man. Like he's scary. Is Gary. he's hella athletic. I he know, can. I'd rather really watch Darius Miles to put- and James Rojas. Like <laughs> you know, Rojas to be a bartender.
0: He he runs like a, a newborn giraffe. Like you ever see him come up and they're just their bodies just it just doesn't look right. He's just I don't know. Uh, he He's, he does have
1: some like wobble, like uh, like I'm drunk at three in the morning type of like run
0: going on. Like yes. I do agree
1: with you. It's very it's very it's a very lackadaisical like what the hell's going on type of thing. It's in everything. Odd, yeah,
0: because everything he does is high. He he dribbles high. He looks high. You know, he just everything is is up off the ground, and yeah. So I, I don't, I just I, I don't like him. I don't like him dribbling the ball. I, I think he's okay as a shooter. Um, he's he's a great athlete, but I don't think he should be handling the ball at the two guard.
2: That's fair. That's fair. But I do probably dream.
0: All right, guys. Well, uh, Landon, we appreciate you coming on, filling in for J Law. I know he'll listen down there, and he'll he'll be texting you. He always uh he always congratulates the the guys that come in and fill in or the guys that are guests. Um, You did a great job filling in for them. Um, Yeah. So Alabama football, if you watch the game, let's hope we can get a win, but there's not too much optimism left, left in the tank here. Uh, But, you know, we'll have more hoops taught next week. We'll have the Ole Miss game to break down. Probably won't do too much, uh, too much breakdown on Austin P. Unless Landon can get us some stats. I'm sure he'll get us some stats on the small team. That's his forte. Well, I guess that's just basketball. But, uh, yeah, if we play Austin P. in basketball, guys, Landon will be able to tell you um, who their star player is, what he drives, who his girlfriend is. He he knows everything. That's the guy to go to. Um, but until then, this is Episode 77, Gump Runners Podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Landon Beeman, we're out. See you guys next week.